Hello and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. This episode of the podcast is of course brought to you by BetterHelp. They sponsor the podcast and they provide a therapy service to people on the internet all over the world. Millions, in fact. And that therapy can be done by a video call, you can do it over the phone, you can do it via live chat. Or if you're super, super busy and you're going to keep telling yourself you haven't got the time, you can do it via email. You just go onto their website through the link in the description here or head to betterhelp.com forward slash need to read. You fill out a quick questionnaire about how it is you're feeling, how your mood is, what your aims and goals are from therapy. Once you've filled that out, you're put in touch with a therapist within usually about 48 hours, but could be slightly longer um, just for the interest of honesty there. Therapy is not something I can push you towards doing, but if you do want to sort of get your head right, sort those things out, get in line with your sort of goals in life, then therapy is a great place to start. It's changed my life and I'm honoured to be sponsored by BetterHelp. So head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and you get 10% off of the monthly bill, which is great news. And if you want to support me without helping yourself, on going to therapy then you can support me by just giving a review on apple Podcasts. that is probably the most helpful thing you can do because people look at reviews when you're organizing guests and stuff and it just makes it seem a little bit more legit you know and it is pretty legit this podcast so head and do that now i love you forever seems like a fair trade-off but this episode with amelia thompson i'm very excited to bring this to you she is a university lecturer she does loads of like myth busting not that she'd call it that but on instagram and she just combines like science and holistic approach to her coaching and that is in the realm of behavior change i had a great conversation with her i'm sure you're going to enjoy it as much as i did so enjoy (laughs) (laughs) perfect amelia thompson phd welcome to a need to read thank you very much for agreeing to come on thank you for having me and for introducing me with phd very important thanks yeah nice so let's get going what's what's your phd in it's in exercise physiology which is probably not that related to what i do anymore um but it's it's in exercise physiology i don't use it my master's in is in nutrition and that's really what i do now so that's kind of my default education when it comes to actually my work um i kind of just did a phd so that I had a PhD and one of those people fell into yeah. it and never used it again. Well, at least it's only in your name now and it looks pretty cool. So it's definitely serving some purpose. Well, exactly. I've got doctor on my Instagram bio. It's really, it's really oh, well. Yes. Nice. <laughs> one of one of the few that can have it in there. Um, so you say it doesn't really add up to what it is you do now. So what's that? I'm a nutrition consultant and educator in nutrition um, and exercise nutrition. And I work predominantly with people who are trying to improve their relationship with food. So I work in the fitness industry, obviously, and basically take all the people that have been through diet culture crap and support them to get back out of that and back on an even keel, so to speak. Um, And then I run EIQ Nutrition, which is an online education course with Emma Story Garden. And it's it's an evidence-based nutrition course, but it's very holistic. And it's got a lot of compassion in there and mindfulness in there too. So Mm. it's a really holistic nutrition course for coaches, mostly coaches. Okay. So when you say holistic there, that's like holistic from a compassion sort of point of view, as opposed to like a, you must have your breakfast with an amethyst at the bottom of the bowl. I do that too, to be honest. Yeah. Um, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like it all. So there's a lot of, there's a big spiritual focus. Like in the coaching that I do, there's a huge spiritual focus for a lot of people. Um, but obviously my background is dead academic, really scientific. Sorry, there's a, a siren outside my house, if you can hear That's that. That's right. Um, good. Um, so yeah, I kind of match the science stuff with the airy-fairy stuff um, and spend my life trying to find the science behind the airy-fairy stuff. So that yeah. I can justify talking about it, basically. Obviously, it's all sort of evidence-based for you to begin with. And then it's science. You, you've just said then it got a little bit airy-fairy. Is that something you've approached a little bit later in terms of learning that from working with people? 
pretty much yeah and from my own like lived experience really and I'm studying to do therapy right now so I obviously pick some of that stuff up alongside of it um Ah, with my work I do a lot of the therapeutic techniques without actually being a therapist so unofficially do that stuff um so therapy just marries it all together properly and gives me that tick box really but yeah I think a lot of it just comes from my a lot of what I do comes from my own experience I think Mm. the science is important but the stuff that I've been through I think helps a lot like like everyone right you've what you go through molds how you talk how you what's important to you and the more stuff I went through the more I was clear on my values the more I implemented things like mindfulness and compassion and they're like the core values of my business now as opposed to evidence-based nutrition and this is how much protein you should have because once you check those off you're kind of that's that's all there is yeah yeah definitely and and what was it that sort of forced you into this because I think when people sort of go go down a particular route like there's a reason that you've got a passion for it um what what is that yeah I am like a cliche fitness girl I kind of came through disordered eating habits myself mm. fell into competing competed for a few years and then came out the other side both spat out the other side and really was stuck with I have no idea what to do I've got no none of the nutritional science stuff that I know is helping me with all of these really bad habits that I've got from competing. So like binge eating and over-exercising, really high food preoccupation. And when I competed, this was quite a while ago, there was nobody there saying competing can be negative. There was nobody there saying, this is some of the stuff you can expect when you come out of competing or when you come out of dieting. So nobody spoke about it. And I'm really, really transparent. So I was just word vomiting on Instagram. Like I've just eaten this much food and I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it. And I think from talking about it, I kind of fell into looking at the research behind it and thinking, what do people normally do when they're struggling with this post-diet? Because fitness doesn't acknowledge that this is even a thing. Um, And then all the research that I fell into was things like mindful eating around um, people who are overweight or obese who diet, like how mindfulness can support them in terms of maintaining fat loss and to reduce their overeating episodes. And so um, I started implementing all of that stuff and then, and then I went through a bit of a midlife breakdown at like 30, like everyone. Nice, well, good. A lot of women do. Always good, yeah. I was pr- really privileged that I went to California for three months and meditated every day and hiked every day, like proper privileged asshole. But <laughs> it worked. And I kind of had this meltdown for a week where I just stayed for a week in bed and ate cinnamon rolls and realized that a lot of my issues came from my my dad but a lot of my issues came from like things in the past and that was back to my relationship with food and so I realized how much I could get from things like the more holistic side of things and I'd always kind of meditated but not properly and that really forced me into that side of things I got into reading a lot more I discovered Brene Brown and all of these things kind of just came together for me and then it changed I basically never binge ate again after that point. It was really strange. Um, my whole practice changed. I never dieted ever again, maybe for six weeks once. Um, and then that was it. So it was like a, a kind of really cliche thing. But I was yeah. lucky to go through it, I think. Yeah, like a sort of real... T- I think everyone feels grateful for the experience that they've had when they've come out the other side and grown from it. And yeah. I suppose it's like that's what makes the growth side of it so necessary so that at some point you can turn around look and be like that was a pretty shit part of my life but i'm a legend now so say that to myself uh, every day yeah yeah you (laughs) have you have to be your own biggest fan right um it's interesting because i've had quite a few people on the podcast that have had a sort of similar journey not in terms of like your educational background stuff like that but from competing as a woman in the fitness industry and then having to go the other side of it and like do some real work to fix what fitness competitions have broken for them essentially yeah but I don't often get to speak to many blokes that sort of make that journey and and that maybe that's just my echo chamber because I don't really associate with those types of people or I'm not drawn to them um essentially but is it do you think it's more sort of female fitness competitors that will go on this journey as opposed to the blokes the blokes will just sort of slowly just come out of it or stay I I don't know I don't know because I know some males who compete and I've seen some of the stuff they go through and it's they're not immune to it by any Mm. means but they're more like personal relationships of mine um 
I think men, unfortunately, it's taken me, what, four minutes to get this word in here, but are victim to the patriarchy a little bit here. And mm. they've got this kind of, they, they're far less vulnerable and open to talking about the downsides of things, um, mm. especially within bodybuilding and fitness, because there's such an emphasis on strength, right? And there's such an yeah. emphasis on that kind of masculine side of things. So I think to some degree, men are less open to talk about it. And I don't know many men that are open about these things, but I know that like binge eating disorder is more prevalent in women, but it's not, it's men are not immune to it. Um, and yeah. I get a lot of messages on Instagram from people who have bodybuilding coaches and they say, I'm six weeks out and I'm binge eating. And, but they don't communicate that with their coaches. They communicate that with me because it's like a safe space for them to do yeah. that. Um, that's not the coach's fault. That's just... I think that's kind of still the body bodybuilding mentality. Whereas with women, we're a lot more, we seem to be a lot more open about talking about it. And yeah. women have a lot more obvious physical signs, so they can't really ignore it. Like for women who lose their menstrual cycle, for example, um, it's a lot more obvious for women to, for that to happen than a man to lose a sex drive for a couple of weeks. Like women can lose their periods for months, if not years from it. Wow. And it's really hard as a woman to ignore that message that you're getting from your body that says like, this is not right. Yeah. and men have fewer of those so i think they can acknowledge it a little bit less at what stage does that like kick in the whole sort of stopping of periods is it is that exclusive to fitness models or is it if you're in like a pretty strict deficit for a few weeks your hormones gonna get fucked up yeah it's really it's really person specific some people can get super lean and never lose their period it's really genetic um mm -hmm. it also depends on the other stressors that you've got so there's like the psychological stress the physical stress the low calorie intake high expenditure and, and the genetic side so for some people they can get all the way through they could compete and not lose their period and for other people they could diet and not even get excessively lean but start to lose their period so it's it varies. I'd say most competitors, not all, but I'd say most female competitors will lose their cycle by the time they step on stage. But wow. I don't have a percentage amount of that. No. Well, I suppose people don't want to be too honest about that because they like their confirmation bias is like, I'm on stage, everything's going really well. Like, <laughs> let's just ignore everything else that might potentially be going wrong. <laughs> yeah. So much that. And do you know what? Like, I used to say, well, I kind of normalized it for myself because I'd say well it's short term but the more you look at the research behind it the more for for women the more regular periods you have the more likely you are to have for example early onset menopause um, and complications down that road so it is a long-term thing and I was just having this debate with somebody a bodybuilder on social media just before we came on this podcast actually about that when he was saying well are these health implications not transient it's like for some of people, those health implications are transient, but for women who lose their periods, that might not be. That affects our bone mineral density, which can't be reversed. So if you're mm. competing for five years with and develop what we call hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is the loss of period, and you don't have a period properly for five years, that has a direct impact on your bone mass, which has mm. a direct impact on your longevity. So you can't normalize it to just saying, well, it's just a short-term thing for whilst I compete I just don't think that's an acceptable thing to do anymore which I've done in the past and I made a mistake on that front yeah how like do you think fitness competing is a bad thing then I know it's, you probably don't want to say yes or no to that but like if you had a daughter and she was like I want to be a fitness um, competitor what would you say I had this conversation with my friend recently, actually, because <laughs> she was like, there's no, you, you couldn't say no because you've done it, but I would definitely try and say no. Yeah. And, and I speak to girls all the time who compete and I don't want to, I don't judge anyone for doing it. I totally understand it. And I've been there and I don't hate the sport. It's not so much the sport. It's just the behaviors around the sport. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't want, yeah, I don't judge anyone who does it. I personally wouldn't advise anyone to do it if they care about their health. Yeah. Okay. So you guys, you've just done a post on Instagram. I literally just, just before we got on, it was like, I challenge you to find anyone that hasn't been like adversely affected by fitness competitions Yeah, as a woman. I, I really do. I don't, I don't think anyone could give me evidence of that not happening in some way, shape or form. Yeah. But you never know. And are the effects, like I know they're not as serious in men, but we know they're not spoken about but are there pretty serious implications for guys when they're like at that low body fat percentage for such a long time and like repetitively yeah i mean any fluctuation in natural hormones is not great um and it happens with other things like stress but dieting like if you're if you're a natural athlete and the problem is is that a lot of bodybuilders obviously are not natural yeah. and so then you've got i don't know the implications of steroids and uh, um 
like injection test every week. I don't know the implications of that, so I wouldn't comment on that. But naturally, there are implications to having like bottomed out tests for however many months and then having to get that back up again. It's not just as simple as sex drive. I think it's easy to use that as a main selling point because it's what a lot of young men care about. Um but yeah, I don't know the it's all young men care about. Well, exactly. <laughs> this is about this is the thing, right? It's like if that's all you care about, what on earth are you doing? But yeah. then you also care about your ego, right? I see yeah. you general yeah. men. So yeah. I actually hate weights and the gym. So I'm like, I don't know, a bit weird. Like I did like 20 minutes of exercise this morning and I was like, I hate this so much. <laughs> did it though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it. I got up and did it. It's motivation. <laughs> you are on the grind i like yeah i'm kind of i used to love it like i used to buzz off it so i do get it whereas mm. now it's like Meh, it's fine we do what we have to do right yeah yeah definitely um and then obviously you you say this this breakdown was post competing mm. how how long after like a year after but the year after i decided to just diet for the sake of diet and got to like stage lean just to prove I could do it without stepping on stage it was just because I clearly couldn't let it go um mm. and then straight after that diet so it was like a year later I went to California and had issues with food and then had my breakdown yeah yeah definitely and did you go to California like to meditate was that like to a, have a retreat <laughs> yeah to have a breakdown <laughs> yeah planned no my brother lives over there so I go quite a lot um but they just have the best although it's cliche like their mindfulness classes and their meditation classes are are awesome like here yeah. is you're hard pressed to find a meditation class that lasts 90 minutes on a Monday night that's not pretentious that you can just sit and go to yeah um, and it yeah it's the best place and, and when you're in a completely escape like have you ever been on any sort of retreats or anything for meditation no, I haven't before, but like I've, I'm, I'm being pushed by some something somewhere. It's pushed me to, and I, I've always said like, the moment I hit a million downloads is when I'm gonna go and do ten days of Vipassana mm-hmm. and just sit and just see what comes up. Um, but I'm shit scared of doing so because I know it's gonna be really, really difficult. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've never done a full on like I keep thinking that I'm going to do like a full on escapism one because it's being in a different environment has such a strong effect on I think the the impact of the meditation and and the work that you're doing. Um, but I keep thinking, oh, I should really do like a five day silent meditation retreat, and I'm the same. It's absolutely terrifying. I also think it would be exhausting, and that's just a lot. Yeah, apparently it's absolute hell whilst you're there, and then afterwards, oh, that's the best thing I've ever done. And also. They give you vegan food all the time and I'm, I'm not really sure that I'm keen for like to starve for five days yeah no I was a vegan for a week earlier this year I didn't rate it like it wasn't it was it was not great but I did that for the purposes I did uh, ayahuasca earlier in the year and oh. they, they make you well they don't make you they say it's advisable because mother nature or the grandmother of ayahuasca doesn't like it when you eat animals or products of animals so I gave it a go and like straight after I was like nah not for me was it was it amazing not no. no the ayahuasca was absolute hell um very dark and very uh it was it was strange like because I, I i like psychedelics myself like i'm 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 keen on them and i'll do them if the opportunity comes up i'm not an addict i won't be doing any today or tomorrow but um i thought it was going to be this insane like breakthrough and i'd meet my inner child and we'd run off into the distance into these like magical pyramids that were colors that i'd never even heard of or seen before but i literally just curled up in a ball and cried and was being sick for like three hours and was like having these visions of this like wolf like in my face like snarling at me and then every time i tried to shut my eyes to go to sleep to make it stop this like mother earth or whatever this green figure would just flash in my face and be like nah man you can't go to sleep <laughs> oh my god that sounds horrendous it was horrendous but it did it showed me a lot like hindsight i had to make meaning out of that to make it worth it mm-hmm. and and for me like the wolf came with some like significance in terms of i thought i was this like lone wolf person when really i actually have a pack that i really like and i really would like to look after so that's like one of the reasons that i ended up coming back from bali earlier this year was because of that um but I would not recommend being sick and crying in a ball for three hours um 
it's it's, yeah. it's not great <laughs> yeah, maybe some maybe some light journaling might have got you to that place who knows <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe like I, I, it's so funny because at the start they're like right set your attention so i'd like written in my journal like i am ready to surrender to the experience <laughs> the experience came i was like no help me get me out <laughs> that's terrific but fair play fair play that's on my list but I haven't had the the balls to do it yet so now I'm really maybe taking a step back from that (laughs) your experience will be completely different to mine like a friend that I went with was next to me and said yeah like the best time ever and was like saying the voice of the shamans who was singing was like the most beautiful singing voice I was like yeah literally I just wanted to turn them down but I obviously (laughs) couldn't because they're people god it was uh it was hell it was hell but good things come from hell i think mm, absolutely i don't think that's a quote but like we'll it make works. it one yeah <laughs> it works it works um you also skipping off from from ayahuasca do, do you like psychedelics that do you know what i've only done i've only done them once mm. um in bali and then and, and well in the place in bali that was a bit safer um and that's yeah. it so I'm not, I don't have enough experience with them. It's actually yeah. on my list for 2021. Yeah, <laughs> the year of psychedelics. That's yeah. it. That's it. It's, uh, it's one of those things that you can, especially if you're doing it for like spiritual reasons and, and you understand like the actual power of like what plants can do. It's something to head into with an open mind. But I think certain people will take like, oh, someone's talking about psychedelics. I'm going to go and drop some acid and go to work. Like that's not, yeah, not no. good. <laughs> not what we're talking about here. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. Definitely not. And um, you also mentioned actually at the start, a bit of Brené Brown. You said you found, yeah. you found Brené Brown when you were mid breakdown. What? She's my hero. Yeah. Brené Brown is like my ultimate, like if you could have dinner with one person in the world, Brené Brown is like my person. I love her so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> proper fangirl yeah she like I discovered her when I was in Cali so that was like five years ago four years ago in Cali um and she was like much more well known there than she was in the UK at the time mm. and I listened to tons of her podcasts like she did loads of podcasts with like Oprah and stuff and then I came back and basically just worked my way through all of her books and she probably transformed every single part of my life oh, she, wow. yeah she's so have you have you read her books or any of her books I've read Daring Greatly and something else. I get confused with the names of her books, but I like, I I know she, I read her book when I was like very anxious, very depressed, very, I hate my life. And it was all about like showing up. And I thought the issues in my life were like my relationship. And I was just using that as a scapegoat for everything else and I was just with someone that didn't even really like me that much so it was a bit it was a bit easy for me to be like oh maybe it's the relationship I need to dare greatly and show up fully and vulnerably with someone that didn't want to hear it (laughs) yeah not quite what she means I don't think not quite no um but yeah daring greatly was like brilliant and I think like the way she writes is amazing obviously writers are storytellers and and you can take some of the stuff like a pinch of salt like the anecdotal stories but yeah such a good book that one what what was your favorite Daring greatly is my favorite actually i love it and rising strong is the one that comes Mm. after that which is basically like once you dare greatly and you fall flat on your face this is how you move through it and rise strong so to speak um so I like I agree I think she she's a PhD she's a PhD researcher she so she's got loads of evidence behind her but she does that thing so well of marrying the science and the spirituality and the vulnerability so which is where I felt like finally felt like oh someone can do that and it's social science but it's still science if someone else can do that then I can figure out how I can do that with the stuff that I do but like the vulnerability side of things is something that's one of the reasons why a lot of people have struggles with their relationships with food because they often we binge eat and we overeat or we restrict or we overexercise because we are too scared to be vulnerable with our feelings instead of sitting with them dealing with them meditating and doing all the stuff that requires us to feel we are we keep a game face on we try and be positive and we try and hold it together for everyone and that was 100% what happened with me from when I was like 16 and my family kind of broke down a little bit and I was the person that was like I'm going to keep everything together and I'm going to be positive whilst my sister gets ill and my mom is sad and all of these things until I was 30 and I was like oh it's okay to be vulnerable and feel and then I felt for a week and couldn't move, but then moved yeah. through. And she was, I think she's one of the driving forces behind that. 
I get most of my clients to read Daring Greatly just to get them to realize that vulnerability is a strength. And, you know, she talks a lot about how you can't be brave without, you often can't be brave without being scared. And we often think that we're weak because we feel scared to do something, but only brave people can be scared. And so it's about holding space for both of these feelings. And she talks a lot about holding space for vulnerability, fear, courage, and all of it. And not being exclusive to one emotion or trying to be one personality type, for example. Um, and so it's really helpful for people that suppress their feelings in some way, and especially for people that then use food to further suppress them. But I mean, we could make that relatable to anything, alcohol, sex, shopping, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and then she wrote a book recently, well, not recently, but a couple of years ago called Dare to Lead, which is about how you use vulnerability um, and compassion as a, as a leader. And that then further informed how I coach, you know, like within the contract that I have with all of my coaches, it will have, these are my boundaries. What are your boundaries? Vocalize your boundaries to me. And, and boundary setting again is if we look at emotional eating, boundary setting is one of the key things that can be a trigger for people to overeat because they, they let people take all, we let people take all of our energy and then we don't have anything left for ourselves. So then we often turn to food just to try and give ourselves that energy or that comfort that we've given to so many other people. Yeah. And so she obviously talks a lot about boundary setting and stuff. And so the Dare to Lead work, which is really heavily based in research, and that's where all of her research is now, really informed me as a coach, really informed me as a uh, I don't, as an employer, I suppose. Um, yeah. So yeah, she's I think I think she's one of the heroes of our time. <laughs> Yeah, nice, nice. Well, you say about boundaries. Um, obviously, boundaries can be set in any sort of area of, of of your life. Like you can say, like, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, and I'm happy to accept this, I'm not happy to accept that. Where would you say boundaries are sort of most important? Would you say it just spans across life? I'd say it spans across life. I really do. I think they're hardest when it comes to family but potentially the most important in that sense. And um, they're really hard to set with family, especially if you've never set them before and then you try to implement boundaries with people. Yeah. But I, I think they're important. I think they're important everywhere. Um, I just think, I think again, uh, again, coming back to the patriarchy, right? Especially for women, we very much struggle to set boundaries because we think the kind of ideal thing for us to be perceived as is nice and selfless. Yeah. And, um, in order to to come across nice and selfless, we want to please people. So we say yes to everything, and we give so much of ourselves to other people. Um, and again, that's obviously that's how it impacts our sense of self, impacts our, our eating, etc. So I don't know. I think I think they're important everywhere. They're yeah. important to be flexible, but I think I think family seems to be the hardest for sure. Yeah. And um, and how how would someone like navigate that conversation when it comes to setting boundaries with family or like in a relationship mm. I had this conversation with a client this morning and I was like <laughs> it's not going to be fun it's not nice it's not nice it's really uncomfortable but you know from reading Renee it's like well it's it's vulnerability is uncomfortable you feel horrific when you do it but it's the only way you move through it is by actually taking the action um I think it's about having the conversation it's like when when you do this I feel a certain way and it's not about saying when you do this you make me feel a certain way say for example you've just had a child I'm using a specific example you say you've just had a child and and someone's like your mom is encroaching on your time and commenting on how you do things all the time yeah say you know it, it, when you say I'm not doing something right it makes me feel like I'm a crap mom um and it's not about putting the blame on the other person it's about saying this is how I feel and you can say things like again this is a brainy thing but the stories I tell myself based on that is that I'm never going to be good enough that my child is going to grow up and have a poor sense of self or ill or whatever it may be yeah and then as a result of that I would really appreciate it if we kept if you kept those types of opinions to yourself or you know you we had a when I initiated a conversation about what I think I could do better you brought them into the conversation then so that it's not saying there's no there's no blame there it's about saying I feel this way because of this situation but it's nothing to do with what you've said it's just how I feel so let's put some sort of soft guideline in place that says this is how we can manage it together I think that's the thing but it's it's not a nice conversation to have for sure and if you've always let someone push your boundaries then then it's a really difficult thing to do, but 
the key thing is like if you feel resentful in any way like if you resent something or someone it's usually because they've pushed your boundaries and it's a really key way to look at it it's not yeah. because of what you've done it's because you've let them get away with something that you shouldn't have let them get away with yeah. not blame a specific person on themselves but it usually is that yeah i think that's the thing it's like you don't blame yourself but there is a point where you have to take some sort of ownership of what's going on in your life and the reality of it is like you could literally just turn around to these people and say don't ever speak to me ever again but obviously you don't want to do that when it's, it comes to people that you're like you have a vested interest in keeping that relationship going mm-hmm. um so that that's when it comes to like setting boundaries is that a bit of like non-violent communication do you know what it might be i don't know anything about that in terms of the actual terminology so maybe i think it is because i think i think non-violent communication is like oh hey amelia when you do x it makes me feel like why um and then you expand on why it makes you feel like why okay so it's just about not saying like you're so fucking rude to me blah, blah blah it's about oh when you call me a twat it makes me feel a little bit like a twat and I tell myself that story because one time in year 11 somebody called me a twat <laughs> so there's something along those lines of yeah. just like a, a very sort of objective pragmatic conversation of when you do this it makes me feel like this I really don't like feeling like this so please can we stop yeah that's exactly that but you know what? people don't like it people find it really no. patronizing they yeah. like to lower yourself to like raging at them and screaming at them and if you say i feel like this and i'm not putting it on you people just they can't cope with it a lot of the time because they just like who are you to speak to me like that and it's like i'm just being an adult um, yeah. and then that comes into like have you ever heard of the book the games people play i haven't so it's it's a therapeutic book. It's Eric Byrne. He is the founder of transactional analysis, which is like a therapeutic um, model. Yeah. And it talks about, it refers to how people communicate. So you have um, three different ego states, which is like parent, ad- adult and child. And whenever you have a conversation with someone, so us right now, we're having an adult, adult conversation. Yeah. But if you suddenly took on a parent ego state and then started saying, you know, telling me that I was wrong or kind of belittling me in some way then that yeah. conversation because we're mismatched in that communication style that would set something off and we would be triggered and it's like if you're having an argument with someone and you're adult to adult arguing or child to child arguing and then you take the parental role and you try and have that conversation with someone it can be really triggering because you knock the dynamic out of place um, yeah. and the book is all about basically how you can manipulate that in terms of, I've not even finished the book yet, but I've done a lot of the research behind the book, um, but how you can basically manipulate or how people manipulate it to um, strengthen relationships or potentially the opposite. Yeah. Interesting. So so you essentially get inside the mind of anyone that tries to play these little games with you. Yeah. And they games like in a negative way. They can be negative, they can be positive. It's based on the idea that like we all, um, as as people, we are all trying to get what he, what he calls strokes, right? Which are basically like um, validation in some way. And that's all we want from life is this external validation in some way. And it's based on that premise and how you can use these ego states or how we use these ego states um, to impact that type of kind of validation. It's really like, it's really interesting it's just one therapeutic model but it's a that book for for a therapeutic book was like a bestseller so i think which is quite scary because it just makes you think well what are you learning from that it's like um the game in the in the 90s or oh yeah yeah the um like pickup artistry stuff yeah Yeah. (laughs) strange strange people that should not be put into the wrong hands i don't think it would work anymore any of this stuff from the game because i think everyone's kind of aware from it like oh you're negging me you're yeah. obviously at all like yeah. I, hope <laughs> then, so. I, I hope so too but I, the, the likely scenario is it probably still works and is upsetting a lot of people which is sad um yeah. <laughs> i had a question for you and i really it's just slipped my mind sorry what we're we just talking about before the game we we're talking about bestseller of a book we we're talking about manipulating people a little bit um we we're talking about boundaries honest communication how like so this is something I adopted into my life maybe 18 months ago two years ago and I read lying by Sam Harris and he just talks about essentially how like radical honesty is like the key 
to a good life and just being able to like show up as yourself and a lot of self-help books talk about showing up as yourself and I think people often get that wrong they show up as the person that they'd like to be as opposed to the person that they are and then end up finding that hard to to sort of keep up how much in terms of like your coaching do you see people struggling to show up as themselves but saying that they are struggling up as themselves and obviously maybe you don't want to talk about coaching clients but just in general life do you do you see sort of things like that yeah I see it a lot and I think at the moment I don't know if you've noticed this but values is such a buzzword it's like everyone is talking about values all the time it's like do you even know what values are and do you even know what to do with your values once you actually know your values yeah. are you making actions in line with it it's such a buzzword right now you can blame Mark Manson I actually read one of his books anyway yeah well, that like, is where it came from because that's what introduced yeah. me to it I was like what's my values and I like I thought oh my god these are all my values when in reality they're not and and values change over time right they change but, I think that's what people forget too it's like and also people think that they should have a certain value like they for example me and my business partner we have very very different values and we're both really honest about that like she's very driven in terms of the business side of things and I'm very driven in terms of like the love and the compassion side of things which is why it works really nicely together yeah. but it, when I well, like if I make a decision that's not in line with my values I can feel really triggered by her stuff and it's not because she's making tons of money it's because she's making taking action in line with her values and I'm not and it's so easy to look at that and be like it's it's my opinion of her that's triggering me here, but it's it's not. It's my feelings to do what I need to do for myself and my own values that's triggering me here. Um, but yeah, I think I think we all struggle to be honest. And I think as well, a lot of this is an age thing. Like sometimes I think a lot of the stuff I say sounds quite maybe profound. And then I think it's nothing to do with the reading that I've done or the work that I've done. It's just because I'm 34 and not 24 anymore. And so it's easy for me to say, well, I've had 10 years of crap and all of that stuff that I can now be really honest with myself. But I think I think yeah I think the lack of like dishonesty in someone is the cause of most of their problems like you said if you're dishonest and you say you meet someone and then six months down the line they're you completely change and you've gone back to your true self they probably aren't going to love you anymore because you're not the same person that you were before and that's mm. that's your fault not that everyone is intentionally lying to themselves about who they are I, like, it's not a blame game probably but, are <laughs> maybe a little bit maybe a little bit and it's i think i think social media's got a lot to answer for on that front though you look mm. at people and you think i want to be like them then like what are their values how can i how can I model myself on them? And because core values and values are so well-spoken about now, it's easy for someone to listen to a podcast and say, oh, Amelia values love and compassion. So those are going to be to my two top values. Yeah. They don't really know what that means. And, and you can get really lost in it if you're not really like authentic again, buzzword, but here we are. Yeah. Um, but it's hard for people to figure it out unless you do the work, unless you journal all the time and stop suppressing your feelings, unless you reflect on yourself all the time, then how are you supposed to know who your true self is when you're just like with, with therapy, you have, there's this concept, especially in person-centered therapy, where we have like interjected values and conditions of worth, which are basically values that are put on us as we grow older. So when we're a kid, maybe we see our mum dieting. And so, yeah. and, and a dad that says, that she looks fit every time she's skinnier right yeah you as a child interject that that's what love looks like love looks like trying to make yourself smaller for a man to love you and so as you grow right. up you become like this person who just diets all the time um and then as you get older you've got like the patriarchy saying men like stop crying like stop yeah. feeling man up and then you've got women saying like to women you've got them saying like you need to change all of you in order to be appealing to men because that's your life purpose. So we take yeah. all of the stuff on and then they, we get to our 20s and 30s and say, you should know who you are. And it's like, well, how do I know who I am when I've got all of these values shoved on me by everyone else and these conditions of you're only worthy if you... Well, TikTok told me the other day that I'm supposed to shave my face. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Is this where we're at now? Like, I can't cope. So like, not another thing. God, not, I can't be asked. <laughs> honestly, like, come on. Um so like, but like, this is the thing. It's like, am I only worthy if I do X, Y, and Z? So it's so hard to take all of that away, which is why I think everyone should do therapy and everyone should journal and everyone should, med not everyone should meditate, but most people should meditate. Yeah. Why, why not everyone? Because 
I think people who have severe trauma in their background, meditation for them can be really tough and really uncomfortable. Not just like uncomfortable when your brain goes away with you, like really distressing. And yeah, so yeah. there are other ways of meditation for them, like breath work, like the Wim Hof stuff potentially could be really good. Or yeah. I don't know, like more meditative activities, like, I don't know rock climbing or something mindful eating of a raisin well exactly that fills everyone with joy (laughs) um but that type of active stuff is good for them so i'm careful not to say everyone should sit for 20 minutes and breathe bollocks i've literally just done an instagram post saying that everyone should meditate so i shall uh edit that i'm like fuck (laughs) 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 because i I literally do i don't that stuff doesn't enter my mind like the trauma side of things and that's obviously my privilege like it's not something i i think about yeah. um but when you said then about like in kind of intrusive thoughts from trauma i literally thought the other day i was watching line of duty and i couldn't stop thinking about um cutting my finger with a knife like not actually i wanted to but i just imagined for some reason because you know, your brain just chucks thoughts at you all the time it's like i was just chopping through it and then i cut my finger and then i just couldn't stop and i was feeling it in my finger Oh and it wouldn't go. It's so weird. And you are, like, <laughs> you are too invested in line of duty. It's good, but geez. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, and I'm almost finished with it, so I can just like can leave that part of my life behind. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like intrusive thoughts, essentially, they can be really fucking annoying. And mine are even that bad. They're just cutting up a finger. Um, so not yeah. everyone should meditate. That is interesting. There's one thing you said there about like journaling. And you you might see this in some of your clients, but I've definitely noticed before. I used to like censor myself when I journaled. I used to write down like, I had such a lovely day. I did this, I did that. Like absolutely bullshitting myself so that one day I could turn back and be like, oh, what a lovely day that was. But just like, just like, just censoring essentially what will serve as my memories at some point, because obviously memories are relatively non-existent after a certain period of time it's just the stories that we make up and and make the memories do you find a lot of people sort of lie in their journaling to themselves or have you ever experienced doing that yourself yeah that's so funny that's so funny that you do that I am I used to keep a diary when I was young and then one day my sister read my diary out to all of her friends and I was absolutely traumatized I was only about eight I was just traumatized and for years I was just so careful about well, I was very private, but I was so careful about everything. And so when I started journaling that, yeah, I was very similar. I found it really hard to just be like, I feel this way. And it yeah. felt quite mechanical. I think, I think, yeah, I actually learned a technique recently, which is not something I do. I just word vomit, but um, a technique where you literally, there's a whole book on it about how to journal. And you're supposed to do it first thing in the morning when you're semi-conscious, Um in pencil you're supposed to use like lined pages a new page each day set a timer for 20 minutes and even if you don't have anything to say you're just supposed to sit there and do it and consistently do it it was written by um the wife of james cameron you know the titanic man the director of titanic oh really or the ex-wife maybe i'm not sure anyway but like that's apparently quite good for people that struggle to get that little bit deeper because you you can't stop until you've done the 20 minutes and you just are forced to just keep doing it and if you're semi-conscious apparently it's more helpful but I don't I don't do that I just word vomit yeah because I I used to my journaling's changed quite a lot obviously I've stopped lying to myself now for the most (laughs) part or I or I catch myself like the other day I was thinking about conversation I need to have with someone I was like I was think I think this and I was like no I don't I know this this is what I I know to be true about the way that I feel and I'm saying oh I think maybe Mm. because I'm like I'm even non-committal in the journaling and I used to write down oh I'm grateful for this I'm grateful for that which I think serves a purpose up until a certain point where actually like you already know that you like the fact that it's green outside and like you you know that you like when it's blue you just need to actually work through your sort of feelings I feel like gratitude's like a bit of a gateway drug to like actually finding out how you feel about shit yeah that's so true and gratitude is so like I'm a big proponent of it like I think every day we should practice gratitude but it totally falls into the toxic positivity realm like Mm. gratitude can be so toxic to people who genuinely just want to feel something and they're like I'm not going to feel bad because I've got that that I've got COVID-19 because I'm lucky that I'm not dead like you know it's really like you're still allowed to be really pissed off that you can't leave the house for two weeks and that you can't breathe and like that's totally legit and I think I think it's it's such an inst- I think that's a problem of Instagram. It's just like the good vibes only stuff. Yeah. Like, no, no, just vibes. Like some vibes are good. And 
I was listening to a podcast with um, someone whose research PhD was in optimism. She calls herself like the optimistic doctor or doctor of optimism or something. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about like the toxic positivity side of stuff. And she was saying um, like optimism, when you think like, if I said to you, give me two words that relate to optimism, what would you say? Half full. Oh yeah, that's quite a good one. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I yeah. think I, I look at optimism like I'm optimistic but like the realistic kind of optimistic where I'm like the chances are like it's like it's 50 50 but I think it's 51 yeah 49 I think that's yeah that's realistic optimism well she was saying like everyone always says positivity like optimism's positivity and she's like that's not if you look at actually the research that's not what optimism is at all it's about being real and it's about having having the knowledge that something good will come out of or you can move through whatever shit is going on yeah and that's what optimism is it's not like saying oh i'm just so grateful for the sky being orange this morning and yeah like i find gratitude in all of these things and i genuinely do look at the sun in the morning i'm like it's such a beautiful morning i'm really grateful yeah it doesn't i'm not pissed off that i've got something to do this morning that's really annoying or really upset i think people make that mistake all the time yeah, definitely. Do you know what? I actually think I've read about that and the optimism about it essentially serving. I think it was the psychology of money. I've literally just read it and they're talking about optimism in the sense that optimism just means that you know that regardless of what happens, like you'll be all right. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. Even if it's shit for a bit, it will get back to like regression to the mean. You'll be okay again. Yeah. It's, there's just, there's a, what's the stats? There's just, uh, you might've heard of this before, but it's like the happiness stats. That's like, if you take people at different stages of their life, regardless of what's going on, unless it's something major, like the death of a spouse or something, mm-hmm. their happiness rating is pretty much always the same. It doesn't matter how much money they've got in the bank, what their life situation is at that point, what their job is. They always rate themselves in the same level of happiness. I think if yeah. you can remember that, it's like, even if this you think is ending your world in a year, you're probably going to be as happy as you are now. Yeah. Reassuring. Yeah, it's definitely it is it's so reassuring, but it's like when people are in that slump, that's when it's like toxic, like you said, about oh I've got COVID, but at least I'm not dead. When you tell someone, like let's talk about like breakups or something, like if one of my friends are like going through a breakup, I'm like you're literally gonna be fine in like three weeks, maybe. And like, what why? How am I ever gonna get there? Or like yeah. they know that that's the case, but still have to feel it right like you still have to feel the hurt yeah and it's like exactly um not cliche at all um (laughs) but it's like the uh, i don't know what this is from but it's like when you invalidate someone's feelings like that when you say like you're fine get over it what you're doing is you're prioritizing your comfort over their their reality Mm. it's like you're saying me feeling comfortable in the situation is more important than what you feel right now and it's just it doesn't hit it's not helpful in any way you yeah. just have been a selfish asshole yeah definitely i've definitely seen you say that before on instagram as well i think it's like word for word i've, I've, I've seen that said i always think that i've stolen stuff and at some point i'm just going to start claiming it for my own just like yeah i made this up the other day uh live laugh love <laughs> <laughs> um what what other like books would you say have made you Mm. I know you love you love Brenny Brown. What's um, what else is in you there? No, I see you talk about some of them, so I will breeze over those ones. But um, Power of Now is one of my favorite books. Like that was a Cali book for me. Yeah. Both of both of his books actually. Um, yeah. The other one's my audio book, so I never remember to remember it. But both of his books, um, Love Factually, is like a book that is based on. I think you've talked about this before. Based on the book Attached, so it's about attachment theory. Yeah, I've not, I've not actually read it yet. I've just heard um, my mate Sinead talking about it so much that I feel like I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, you probably don't, to be fair. Love actually is kind of like that, but it's more. it's got more science in it and it's more up to date. And mm. again, it just talks through attachment styles. Attachment style learning has been really influential for me. Um, a lot of people who, this is anecdotal, right? But a lot of people who develop disordered eating habits have avoidant attachment styles because they don't they're again they're not vulnerable with their feelings they keep okay. everything bottled up and this is purely based on the coaches the clients that i see so it's yeah. not a science-based thing at all but i can almost pick them and say you're avoidant you're avoidant and i don't ever yeah. say that because i don't think it's necessarily helpful to put a bracket and a name on someone yeah. um 
but for me it's easy to helps me to work with them because I'm like I know what you're doing like I can yeah that you're doing that so that actually has been really helpful for my own life because I was avoidant but also in terms of like working with people it's also that's been awesome um Glennon Doyle Untamed fantastic book yeah I haven't Um, read that it's well on my list though it's really really good um I've read a couple of her books actually like her older one was called Love Warrior which was also amazing um but she again she influences my work as well as my personality like she's she's the one that sort of says women have been brought up to be selfless and this is all the problems that come with being selfless and basically it's it's quite a feminist book um but again it's really useful for me with my clients because I'm like every time you make the decision that says you know when you eat stuff to be polite or when you um just do things out of habit because you want to be accepted so you might go to a party and rather than say I'm not going to drink tonight you say even because you don't want to but you'll drink because you want to feel accepted yeah it draws a lot on that and it's like well why again why are you putting that need for acceptance above actually what's important to you and it gets you to think about that type of stuff so um that book is awesome it's difficult to do isn't it like putting yourself above the need for acceptance because as much as we try to fight it like it is really sound being accepted by other people Mm. and being like liked and being someone that people would look to for an answer for something or to be like well just validation like it it is really really nice yeah but the irony being that again this is a Brene thing I'm sure this is a Brene thing but she talks about acceptance a lot and it's like you can only be a truly feel truly accepted as yourself when you are being yourself yeah. like if you are trying to people please and you get accepted you don't get that true sense of connection because they're connecting to something or someone that's not actually true it's this person you've created so who you truly are still doesn't feel connected because you're acting out of alignment with your true self so to speak yeah so yeah so we try and we try and be someone to be accepted when actually the best thing you can do is be so authentically yourself that when you get that connection whoever it's with it's it's much it's true connection yeah and, and acceptance yeah and i think that like, that comes down to like relationships people always say like oh i wasn't expecting this relationship to happen or something like that and it's because they weren't expecting expecting it they were being themselves so they were then accepted for themselves. I'm like, oh shit, this is well cool. That someone actually likes who I am. I don't have to like pretend to do all these little niceties for someone when really I don't want to do that at all. Yeah, for sure. And you can see it like, it's like social media. You're obviously yourself on social media and obviously more nowadays, everyone is more themselves. But I can't imagine, and I've had exes like this who are someone on social media and someone else behind the scenes and I can't even imagine what that must be like to live a life like that like that influencer style life where you're literally not the same person at all it's like all of this validation you get is absolutely nothing to do with you and you're still not getting any of the acceptance that you actually want yeah it's literally a character it's like someone liking someone off EastEnders they're meeting them in the street it's like hold on you're not fucking Ian Beale what the hell (laughs) 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 you would be good wouldn't you if you like meet a character because like they say oh don't meet your heroes and it's because usually like your heroes are people that are off the telly or off the films that are not actually that person. So when you meet them, they've got a different accent and they don't want to speak to normal people in the street. Yeah. It's such a strange concept. Yeah. But I mean, social media is just like that. Yeah. I think. Not so much anymore. I think people are more real now. Yeah. But it's so. getting there. Yeah. It's, it's definitely getting there. And um, the only reason that I was myself, I was like, well, if, if anything's ever going to come up, that's, gonna like if i say anything that gets me in trouble like i'd rather i just be saying everything that could potentially get me in trouble straight away yeah because then i don't have to have the anxiety because as soon as you just show up as yourself like firstly it's great for everyone else but it's really good for you because you just don't have to worry about being caught out for anything yeah exactly that like you can't get caught out if you've not done anything well you might still do something wrong but yeah not hide it hidden it well yeah even if you do do something wrong you're just like oh yeah i did do that um so that's kind of how it is if you want to accept it you can if you don't you don't that's absolutely okay but then it comes but then that comes down to being okay with being imperfect that's where Mm. people struggle like people cannot cope with being imperfect and so they try and hide the things that they just they just don't like about themselves because they think it makes them imperfect but it's like you are so perfect everyone if we could just stop criticizing people for making mistakes 
then the world would be so much easier. Like, you, again, relate to social media. If someone says something stupid, it's like cancel culture, done, like whatever they're, they're done with. And it's like, you've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. And it's about just being like, yeah, I made a mistake. And what? This yeah. is, it's like cellulite, right? It's And what? It's not this needs to be pointed out on social media because everyone has it. It's like, this is just natural. Just like making mistakes. It just is. Yeah. It doesn't need, it doesn't need validation or I'm so brave for sharing this. It just is. Yeah. If we could get to that point, it would be a lot easier, I think. Yeah. I suppose I like the whole like pictures on social media of like, oh, this is what my body's really like. Like that is, I feel like it's kind of dying down a bit or maybe it's just dying down in my echo chamber of people being like, this is what I am. Because it's like, actually, that is exactly... I used to, right, and I've just jumped from a few things there, but I used to not post a picture if I thought that I had too many wrinkles in it. I mean, I've been there, friend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and and I, when I smile, I get crow's feet. I like my forehead's like pretty wrinkly for... How old am I? (laughs) I think I'm 26. Maybe I'm 27. I think I'm 26. Bollocks. That is really weird. Yeah, I'm definitely... 26 fucking hell um and i've got wrinkles but i've had these since i was like 18 and i used to like not like a picture if like my eyes had crow's feet in them because i'd think like people would be judging me and really no one gives a fuck yeah (laughs) especially if you're a man because you know yeah Um, patriarchy serving me well there thank you very much (laughs) meanwhile i'm just injecting my head with everything (laughs) i've considered it Um, (laughs) my friend was like she she was like you need to start getting it now like otherwise it's going to be too late they do say that they do say you're supposed to start if you want it when you're like 27 so maybe you've got that time yeah well luckily we've just worked out i'm 26 i've got a year year to go (laughs) you're fine um (laughs) yeah i think it is probably dying now it's kind of just like if you've got a nose you don't say i've got a nose if you've got cellulite why do you have to say you've got it just it just says and i understand it was probably necessary at some point whereas now it's just like no let's just take the emphasis completely away from it being a thing yeah. And just being like this is this is normal to be like this um yeah, yeah. the other book by the way i was just thinking yeah. one of my favorite books that i feel bad that i forgot is um the untethered soul don't know if you've read that yeah yeah i have read that that was very good i can't remember it too well because I, I, i'm never really that bothered about not remembering much from books i'm like you can't oh, remember everything right yeah that's that do you know what I'll give maybe, it a reread i think maybe if you highlighted it you'd remember it better <laughs> i do highlight books but i go back and highlight okay no so, so, so the so the idea is at the time i'm not there like because i've been oh, i've been fucking waiting for someone to ask me this this is brilliant uh if you're only holding a hammer all you ever see is a nail right so if you're only holding a highlight all you're ever going to want to do is fucking highlight things so if okay. you read without the highlighter there read the whole chapter or a set of 10 pages oh that was really good what did i actually like from that it's forcing your active recall even though it's just after you've read it it's forcing the active recall. So you bring it up, you remember it better, and then you go back and you highlight it. So that at some point in the future, for like, oh, what did I need to remember from A New Earth? And then you pull down the book and then you find the highlighted parts. But I just found I was I was highlighting so much shit. I just was never remembering. Someone's like, oh, last thing you highlighted. I'm like, uh, I don't know. But I can remember now that the last thing I highlighted was this morning because I was reading How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. And it was about how there's 51 billion kilograms or tons, can't remember that bit, of um, whatever the gas is going into the atmosphere every year. And we need to get that to zero. Tons, isn't it? I mean, tons. That it'll was probably a good be tons. Yeah. <laughs> Kilos, tons, who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it actually be better because I could be like 5,100 billion kilograms, maybe maths isn't isn't that. my strong point but the untethered soul what was it what was it what message did you take from that because i've had someone else say that that one recently you know the main thing i got from that was the again such a cliche but you are not your thoughts like that was yeah. that was probably the one thing that there was one chapter that focused specifically on that and it was the first time it was before i read um the power of now or a new earth and it was the first time anyone had said to me this is who you are and this is who all the voices are and you're not the same person and i remember just being like oh my god like yeah. once you once you have that realization, it's like your whole world changes. You have this yeah. ability to just be like, I'm not going to think about that today. And yes, it comes back. But I use that so much with like people who are obsessed with food or people who are who body check all the time. You know, people who look in the mirror and stuff all the time. I'm like, you have you're making this active choice, and it's about recognizing 
when your brain says you're going to go and do this, you're going to say, no, I'm not. Yeah. And, and that's it. And it's, again, it's so easy when you see it. It takes obviously a lot of skill, but yeah, practice, that book for me, it? yeah, that book for me was just like, whoa, that I read it quite a few years ago. And I just remember thinking, this is the best thing I've ever read. Yeah. Changed my life. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you always remember those books that first introduce you to those concepts. You're like, right, that's the one that I love because that, that was the first, it probably was like a massive light bulb switch. Like, and I yeah. think it is for everyone when they realize that one, like their thoughts aren't actually who they are. And two, like, everybody's fucking crazy yeah so like never think that it's just you because it's it's never just you it's literally everyone's thinking it. it's just some other people are brave enough to say hey i think like this and then someone else will be like oh my god me too and once i shared uh something on my story about how every like, time i'm driving i'm like oh fuck i could just go off the road here and i think that's quite a common thing with like people that are prone to anxiety and so many people reply to like the instagram story saying oh my god me too i've never heard anyone speak about that um thank you so much i thought it was just me it's like no it's never ever just you wow that's that's awesome though i love those little things because Mm. that probably could change someone's whole perspective on things just that little content content. that's cool yeah because even my therapist said to me once she's like sometimes i even think about stepping in front of a train i was like i think about it too but i don't want to (laughs) i was like but you're a therapist i was like you're you think like I thought I'm the damaged one. It's like no, we're all like this. And I was like, oh, sick. Yeah. <laughs> all this together. We are all absolute fuck ups. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's like acceptance, right? It's yeah. like there's a technique in um, therapy called radical acceptance, which is more about specific feelings, but it's about just saying like, this is how I feel right now. This is totally okay. This is what I can control. This is what I can't control. And saying I accept the stuff that I can't control and I can just sit with it and put a bit of a smile on my face and say, this is how it is and, and moving through it. And it's like, if you could, again, if you could just do that with life and be like, yeah, everyone is like this. And I think it's more, I think more and now and now we're talking about this stuff, like more and more even, not now and now. We're talking about this stuff. It works. Yeah. Um, and people are saying like, this is genuinely how, how, I, how I am. I don't like it when it's like, made from like people say that stuff in order to get engagement or to to make money or for attention and I think we're moving a little bit more into that realm at the moment which I don't particularly love but yeah, yeah honestly definitely. it was good yeah like I've, I've got to do that ad for someone soon and they're like oh if you want to incorporate your own stories about like mental health into there I'm like yeah like I will if it's relevant but like I'm not just gonna do it for the sake of trying to get people to feel sorry for me so that they go towards your thing and I was like do you really want me to talk about something like that and I talk about it for free anyway yeah but it it does get a bit weird and they're like oh why don't you tell everyone about that time that you thought your life was really shit (laughs) we'll give you a few hundred quid (laughs) (laughs) it's exactly that though that's the world that we're like that is the world that we're in yeah yeah definitely And and look I'll speak about it anyway probably yeah. If I if I can fit it in and if it's relevant, because I would do it for free, so I probably will do it for money. Yeah. I I don't like that. That's how people lead, with yeah. like their pitch of the ideas that as the creator I'm meant to sort of come up with myself. I'm it kind of makes me want to be like, nah, I'm not doing it. Like, yeah, fuck your money. But yeah, people know vulnerability sells. Like, yeah, ultimately. Yeah. But, and, yeah. And it's not, it's not alien. It won't be alien for my audience to see me talk about something like that. It's not like yeah. someone that's never spoken about it before. But guys, I just wanted to talk to you about this amazing mental health app because I um, had d- d- um, depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's real. I think it's fine. I think it's fine to make money off it. But like, if it's real, it's real. And yeah. if you can make money off it, great. Um, my sponsor is therapy, like online therapy. So people... I get to see actual people go to therapy because of me telling them to and then get loads of nice messages of them saying like oh my god I had my first session or oh I avoided my first session for three weeks and then I went and then it like changed things for me and I'm like this is sick and I also get paid for it yeah that's very cool that's very cool I used to have that struggle with marketing my business I used to hate sales whereas now I'm like no genuinely like I can help I genuinely I'll change your life it, I yeah. change your life. you'll change your life by working with me like and it's like I don't mind selling I don't mind that yeah. side of things if you know that you're genuinely doing good stuff it's like that's fine yeah that's a self-esteem thing as well because I think you probably always thought you were doing good but it would just come to a state of like fuck can I charge can I charge can I charge and it's like yeah, yeah you can because you've got like 
got a fucking PhD, mate. <laughs> all this knowledge, all this experience has led you to be able to help people in that way. So it's like, stick mm. a price tag on it. You're not Jesus. Yeah. I, again, I think, yeah, we just, when you want to please people, you just, you, that's when you push your boundaries though, right? And that's when you mm. do do stuff like do more stuff than you should do for free and all of those things. Yeah. Definitely align. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, um, we've had a good hour. That's great chat. I lost track of time then. Thank you so much for coming on. Where where can people find you if they should want to pay you for your services <laughs> now nah, or just follow you or keep getting information from you or eventually work with you? Where Where's the best place for people to find a bit more about you? Instagram is the best place, really. Emilia Thompson PhD or my website is emilia.fitness. Fitness. perfect all right excellent well thank you so much for coming on absolute thank legend you. Thanks, well thank you so much for listening everyone absolute legends for doing so hope you enjoyed it as much as i enjoyed creating that if you have any questions of course feel free to dm on instagram or send an email is probably better anything like that always get it through to me i love communicating with you guys as much as possible whilst maintaining a life off of the screen as well but not much else to say. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Better help sponsor it. Have a lovely day. I love you all. Bye-bye.